I feel like you have suffered a lot and I feel that you have a lot of power in you. And I wonder how you align the necessity for surrender in order that we may convey a great, ever-present, omnipresent, omniscient wisdom accessible to all of us if we are clear with your own rather robust individualism. I wonder if you ever feel fracture and crisis within yourself. I wonder if even under attack you've ever thought about ending your own life. I wonder if you've ever been concerned that you are mentally ill. I wonder if you've ever felt hopeless and desperate given the escalation of these crises and the way that you have been attacked. You know, God does things to me. I'll just say this. I'm not trying to brag. It's just you ask the question. I'll wake up at 3.35 in the morning or whenever it is, and God will say, the Spirit will say to me, you know I'm completely real. I want you to get up and walk into the kitchen, and it's going to be 3.36 exactly. And this has happened to me hundreds of times, hundreds since I was a little kid. And I walk in, and it's always the exact number. Now, you can say, well, I've got an inner clock, whatever. We know that butterflies can fly from central Mexico all the way to central Canada and then lay their eggs and then fly all the way back. How does it know how to go to Mexico? There we go, friends. Welcome, everybody. Matt, Matt, Matt was tearing up a little bit after hearing that beautiful defense of the existence Let's of God it. from none other than the pride of Austin, Texas, Alex Jones. <laughs> I believe uh, I, the, the question was regarding a mental illness in the wake of the judgment against you uh, about the Sandy Hook kids. But you know, butterflies. How do they? I think there's a lot to learn there, man. We got to get we got to get on. Like I think we need to start throwing in random science facts. Um, poorly describing them too. <laughs> to, 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 to yeah, points on this. Program. I have, you know, I have a little bit. Of, there was a brief moment in my undergrad at Minnesota State University had a uh, a robust, uh, to use a word that Russell uses, <laughs> a robust uh, astronomy department where I really thought like, and I was listening to astronomy cast. I really like, I'm going to do this astronomy thing, and mm. then I uh, uh, looked into some of the classes I'd have to take beyond just the intro to astronomy for like general electives. And it was very a uh, lot of math, and I'm like, ah, it's not no, just, <laughs> it's not just being like, whoa, Uranus has these, or, uh, Jupiter has these, not Jupiter, which is the one with the rings, Saturn, <laughs> um, that's the one with the rings. So yeah, see, <laughs> but yeah, talking, talking, just to- total garbage is. I mean, my favorite. You know, I, I have to remember that Alex Jones is a, is a real pig because I'm now almost exclusively exposed to him on from like those kind of incredible clips or the awesome like meme clips. I'm sure sure people have seen a bunch of those where they you know just get Alex Jones when he's fired up talking about humanity or things like that. You have to remember yeah. that he is a, a pretty despicable person. But I do love the yeah. I do love the waxing philosophically about um, butterflies, well, Mexico, and shit. Hell yeah. They're both at both him and Russell Brand are at their like peak, like that that line of questioning. I just imagined like in, like superimposing Sam, or like even like like Ben Burgess or someone like or anyone anyone being set up that way. Like you you have a lot of pain in you, but also a lot of power. Like it is that is bizarre for a question. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, like, as, as, anyway, we, we shouldn't over, uh, 
analyze it, but like as as Brand is going on, you could see Jones being like, "Hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, yeah. yes sir, dude, I am fighting the demons, I am fighting the deep state, <laughs> um, and it's because God tells me what time it is all the time." Yeah. And I think enough is if if Russell's really wondering if uh, if Alex Jones has moments of crisis and if he has maybe some uh, issues dealing with things, there's court documents that have been published online yes, that you can go through uh, and say to your curiosity. Well, folks, welcome with that introduction. Welcome to Left Reckoning 145 Drones, Musk and Javier Millet uh, with uh, our special guest tonight, Nick Terse. Um it's going to be a really fun show. Hope you guys are having a good week, getting ready for, if you're in the U.S., a nice little break and Thanksgiving weekend. Um, we got a few things to get to. Uh, we're obviously going to talk about the election results in Argentina. Uh, we're going to talk uh, to Nick Terse in just a moment. By the way, there are links below uh, to uh, to read his article. It's very important, and, and we're spending some time uh, with uh, about a conflict that I think does not get enough coverage, uh, certainly in general, but also on talking circuit uh, so we're really happy to have nick on the program y'all might remember him um from a recent interview over the summer i believe on henry kissinger and in war in vietnam yeah but yeah go ahead i was just gonna say his book on vietnam uh kill anything that moves also has it's interesting in in the context of the conversation we have tonight about like how many of these incidents are fully investigated and brought to light? And then what lesson did we learn as a society about them? Because for instance, me lie in Vietnam, uh, actually that stuff was pretty common, uh, that those massacres like that. Um, and we made one, we, we got like accountability for one, but they, they were calling like, um, our, our troops had like nicknames, like uh, Zippo squads, the Zippo lighter, meaning you would set, villages on fire um so like uh but yeah uh i, I really i'm it's really nice to be able to have nick on um again because you know he's really a really great journalist no absolutely so they'll be on in just a minute but and you know reminding folks of course to join us in the post game patreon.com slash left reckoning where we're going to have some some fun clips and and some time to hang out with all of y'all immediately after the show patreon.com slash left reckoning get access to that but before we get to Nick, before we get to Argentina, um, there's a couple quick stories we want to start with. And this is going to be a, you know, another one of those episodes where we're covering unfortunate events. Um, but before we talk about bad things, let's talk about one very good piece of news from my home state uh, where there was a huge loss uh, for the anti-education forces in the state of Texas. The Texas House voted 84 to 63 in favor of an amendment by John Raines, who's a Republican, which removed um, the education savings uh, account uh, provision in, in this education bill, layman's terms, vouchers. Um, there right. was an attempt that was spearheaded by Greg Abbott, by a lot of members of the right, um, to try to privatize large parts of our public education system here in Texas. Um, it has always been um, a lightning rod, uh, something that is worth avoiding, uh, for the Republican Party here, because as in like a lot of other states in this country, um, rural America very much depends on public schools, uh, not just for the education of children, uh, but also for employment, for community. Um, and it's a pretty damn good thing that it does that. That has meant that Texas, unlike some other Republican controlled states, has always had a pretty hard um, fight 
um, in terms of uh, privatizing um, and, and weakening public education in this state. And this is just another great example of that. So 21 Republicans, most of them uh, represented rural districts, uh, joined with all of the Democrats in the Texas uh, House of Representatives um, to pull uh, this uh, um, this provision. So something we're celebrating It's something that a lot of people had sort of predicted. There were some weeks when it was looking like it might be in doubt. Obviously, Greg Abbott, the Republican Party, has been trying to strong arm a lot of people um, into supporting it. Um, there was a really cynical move they did where they tried to tie increased funding for schools and teachers uh, to this education savings um, account, uh, again effectively vouchers um, and i think most people saw right through that that it was so cynical that the kind of attack line that people like greg abbott and, and other members of the republican party who were in support of the education savings accounts or i'm just gonna call them vouchers from now on. Just um uh you know I, I think most people saw how cynical it was and i don't think that they're gonna be able to use that and attack as say oh so and so you know refuse certain amounts of funding for schools um, yeah. And, you know, at a certain point, too, it's like they went really hard um, when you're sort of starting out uh, with this really aggressive move again uh, to try to at attach increased funding for schools to this. And I think that that sort of left them once people didn't want to move on that. It really didn't leave them with very many opportunities um, or, or moves to pull. So Abbott's pissed. Uh, our little governor, uh, Patrick, is pissed. Um, fuming, actually, he released a statement attacking a Republican House Speaker Dade Phelan, who voted present um, over the failure, saying, quote, talk about a lack of leadership. Um, so love seeing those folks, Matt. Right. That's awesome. I mean, that's so important, uh, maintaining public uh, schools, because we just what do we know about any sort of uh, approach in any issue? Healthcare. Mm -hmm. we, we can't be parceling this up into different sorts of uh, empowering people as consumers. No public uh, uh universal goods and mm -hmm. are the and uh the schools aren't good enough that's because they are tied to property taxes and we are not taxing the rich people enough to give your kids a good school and that needs to happen uh for every kid no matter what their zip code is and the all this stuff this you know the bigotry stuff we see with or crt or the anti uh trans stuff uh trans panic Part of that is just like, let's get the turn the bigots out in the primaries um, and in the general. It's also a way to undermine what is a very valued part of any community, which is the public school. And it, not least in Texas, where you have like the Friday Night Lights stuff um, and in, in small towns, everybody knows that is one of the central hubs of society. And we need to be not only defending that, but basically using that as a launch pad. Like, like we did see during the pandemic of, Oh, all of a sudden these places that have kitchens, uh, we're going to start feeding people or let people like come pick up food, uh, in a drive through just to have that. And like, that's, that's how we start to build the society. And the right wing knows that. And that's why they attack that. And most, uh, severely the teachers union who is the most clear about, you know, what that, what that, where this attack comes from. Yeah. And I think they, they lost pretty big. I mean, um, there's, I mean, Abbott's already, you know, we're going to be going into, uh, um, elections here in this state. So I'm sure there's going to be kind of big money attempts to try to unseat some of these Republicans. I think they have a pretty tall, um, task ahead of them if they think they're going to be able to overtake all of these folks. Um, yeah, there we go. Try that in a small town. <laughs> um, and also in news that probably surprises nobody over the weekend, uh, Greg Abbott endorsed Donald Trump. Um, I think at this point we all sort of get it. 
uh, Trump is going to very likely win the Republican nomination for president. And so people yep. are lining up behind him. Um, all right. So good news there. Um, you know, the endorsement, who cares? But the, uh, the, the education story, huge. Um, but let's take a look at something else. And let's take a little look at free speech, Matt. Um, at a free speech defender, um, Elon Musk, who has decided uh, that it is time uh, to attack the First Amendment. Now, a little bit of primer here. I'm sure everybody has seen it. Um, I know a lot of people have been covering this. I'm sure Matt Binder has been covering this a lot. Um, but this story here, I'll zoom in a little bit. Um, this story here from Media Matters. Um, as Musk endorses anti-Semitic conspiracy theory, X has been placing ads for Apple, Bravo, IBM, Oracle, and Xfinity next to pro-Nazi content. And this might be a little small for y'all, but let's see if I can zoom in enough so you can see it. Um, here is the screenshots that Media Matters provided uh, where you have these kind of, you know, I mean, you can literally see Hitler, <laughs> a bunch of Nazis right there. Yeah, just to, I'll summarize that meme for it's uh, what people think a spiritual awakening is, and it's a woman doing yoga versus what it's actually like, and it's a Nazi rally. <laughs> so you know, yeah. And you know, there's there's more of these. You have Oracle, you have um, IBM, you have a bunch of other companies, and it's just something that everybody um, has been saying. Yeah, IBM's probably IBM's like don't 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 uh, don't bring that up, guys. <laughs> we've been trying to <laughs> we've been trying to lie low <laughs> for seventy so, years. So it's it's extremely clear from this reporting, but also just anecdotally that I'm sure everyone has seen these kind of far right racist accounts posting things and then seeing bizarrely an ad for Xfinity or whomever uh, next to it. As we have seen, many, many advertisers have been pulling their advertising from uh, Twitter uh, because they don't want to be next to, again, calls for the reestablishment of the Third Reich um, next to their call to buy an iPhone. Um and Musk is obviously very, very pissed. It's been very funny, by the way, just to note uh, from Twitter so far, what we have been getting is not so much a denial that there is a, a bunch of far right Nazi and white supremacist stuff on Twitter, mm -hmm. uh, but rather that, no, we're not, we're not, we're not serving ads next to it. We're just hosting, right? <laughs> Which is a very incredible uh, retreat for them. So Musk threatened over the weekend uh, to uh, file a, quote, thermonuclear uh, lawsuit against uh, Media Matters uh, for America um, and has done so now and has filed it, I believe, in the North um, District Court of Texas, um, the District Court of North, North Texas. Um, and it's a very clear attack on the First um, Amendment. This is quoting from a CNN story on this. Uh, some legal experts are panning Elon Musk's lawsuit targeting the watchdog group Media Matters, saying the complaint filed Monday by X, a platform known as Twitter, I hate saying, um, runs contrary to the First Amendment and could backfire wildly if it progresses at all. Um, and again, as I was saying, at this point, they're not even denying the fact that they are hosting far-right content. Um, so, you know, I, on this, I think that it's, it's extremely clear. This is an attempt. This is literally like if you care about free speech as a principle. This is literally the kind of thing that that we're talking about defending people's right, particularly journalists, uh, to be able to report on reality and not have their reporting be under threat by, again, a very uh, wealthy person who wants to shut down, quote, again. And for what? Speech. The damages are ad revenue? Like, 
like, I mean, it's preposterous. So, I mean, really, it's a test of how ludicrous our judicial system is. Because, like we said, like Elon Musk replied to a guy saying, basically, I mean, that sort of like goes Soros, cultural Marxist, Dreyfus affair style. They're undermining us from within an anti-Semitic conspiracy that Jewish people are responsible for, like CRT or whatever. Um, and, and like, I just. And he's like, this is actually correct. Um, and so, and he, and he's been doing stuff like this for a, a long time. Um, I mean, the Kanye sort of back and forth, uh, right? Like th there's a qualitative, I have noticed, this is just one person's opinion, but uptake in uh, 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 Holocaust deniers <laughs> and those types of folks on Twitter. And like to blame media matters for that, and the damages are, 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 I mean, it's absurd. And again, like, yeah, that is, that is really like, um, uh, suppression of speech here with the courts. And again, um, I think that the, the location of where this was, has been filed matters. Um, again, uh, despite how Musk keeps on trying to present himself, uh, you know, uh, his his companies and most of his holdings are outside of the state of Texas. In fact, even Tesla, the most famous um, you know company that he moved here, uh, he moved the vast majority of its operations back to California in a very well publicized event with none other than G Gavin Newsom. Um, so we'll get to the Texas aspect. Um, we'll jump into it um, in, in just one second. Um, but yeah. the fact that they're filing in Texas is ridiculous because again, Twitter. Um, is, is, is a company that where most of its operations are in California. I believe it's incorporated somewhere in another Western state. I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But again, it's not incorporated here. Its operations are in California. Media Matters, of, of course, is based out of Washington, uh, D.C. And of course, they're trying to file it in a court um, that has you know, laid a lot of you know, pretty uh, right-wing rulings, including being the one uh, where the student loan forgiveness uh, was challenged. Um, mm. But... If Musk's attack on on free speech isn't enough, you have a very embarrassing um, group of people, uh, notably the government of the state of Texas, tripping over themselves, trying to show up in support for him. Uh, and you now have the attorney general of Texas, Ken Paxton, who, as folks remember, um, has just gotten out of a pretty scandalous um, corruption trial here in the state house. Um, who filed this uh, just the other day? Attorney General Ken Paxton opens investigation into media matters for potential for potential fraudulent activity. Um, "Quote: We are examining the issue closely to ensure that the public has not been deceived by the schemes of radical left wing organizations who would like nothing more than to limit freedom by reducing participation in the public square." And you know, you want to talk about collusion? Um, something pretty depressing about again a state like Texas, a proud state, right, with all of its fault, a proud state, basically tripping over itself to do free media publicity and support for a California corporation to make sure that California companies um, could protect their bottom line ad revenue. Um, so we are now going to be wasting public money harassing <laughs> media matters um, so that people like Ken Paxton can maybe get money um, from daddy elon uh, pretty embarrassing across the board now i would just make a quick suggestion uh to ken paxton um and to the rest of the state government in, in in texas because you know there are a lot of companies that are engaged in dangerous and, and, and fraudulent activities in, in the state of texas that have caused tremendous damage to texans uh, there's a company that i can think of right now off the top of my head um that is is hurting texans on a daily basis 
um, everyday Texans, working class Texans, denying property owners in Texas the right to enjoy their property, um, their homes and their surrounding areas. And that company, of course, is none other than Elon Musk's SpaceX, uh, which is now spectacularly uh, blown up two rockets over South Texas, causing untold environmental um, and social damage uh, to the people of South Texas. Uh, we have a, a quote here from uh, Rebecca Hinosa, who was a former guest of this program, um, who said to um, my San Antonio, I live in Brownsville, over 20 miles away from the launch pad. I was in my apartment and my whole apartment started shaking. And when I went to check outside my patio, I saw the explosion uh, talking about, again, this mm. another big explosion from Elon Musk's failed rocket company. Um, Elon Musk's company is going to be sued by a few environmental groups in the state of Texas uh, for the damage that they have caused from the previous um, explosion. And I'm certain that what happened over the weekend will also be included um, in that. Let, let me just pull up some of these organizations here in the San Antonio article. Um, uh, Surf Rider Foundation, Save the Rio Grande Valley, the Carrizo um, Nation of Texas, um, filed a lawsuit um, for the explosion test mission that sent particulate matter raining down on the surrounding area on April 20th. And again, over the weekend, we saw another similar example of the dangerous activities, again, of a rich, um, South African who is very happy to talk big about the state of Texas, um, but has made it very clear that he wants to make sure that the money that he's making in the state is all flowing uh, to California. So if people like Paxton, if people like Abbott and all these folks are worried about some of these companies causing trouble for everyday Texans, uh, they should be looking a little bit closer at somebody named Elon Musk for the damage that he's done. One with SpaceX, two with the boring company and three um, in Tesla, um, for example, when he, when his company caused the death of a construction worker building the Tesla Gigafactory near Austin, Texas. So embarrassing group of people in politics, embarrassing group of people in front of industry and major corporations in, in this country and in this state. Um, and uh, yeah, well, just all full of shit the when they sit here and they start talking about protecting free speech and American values and things like that, um, because these people are very happy to step on them as soon as it starts to affect their bottom. On that note of uh, really stupid people, uh, I don't know if you saw the team that's coming together to help save Twitter with uh, ad spending. Uh, Tim Dillon, oh, yeah. or oh, sorry, yeah. not Tim Dillon, Seth Dillon, uh, Babylon B, this guy. I can't remember why. He's, he's a Babylon B guy, but I think he's famous for getting upset, <laughs> not like jokes, um, about like abortions, uh, uh uh, anti-abortion people tim pool also uh will tim cast will commit to a quarter of a million dollars over the next few months nice. uh and the just the recycling the money that they're, he's been given well, by precisely the that <laughs> and also i'll just note like apple alone as matt bender pointed out spent a hundred million dollars a year <laughs> so you guys are gonna need to step up uh buddy you might need to sell some of the skate park uh, if you're going to help float this because uh, paying back those Saudis and paying back JP Morgan for all that money that they gave your daddy Elon to buy uh, that, you know, I, I, I don't know what that repayment schedule is like, but That's I imagine like I wouldn't, I'll take my loan, my student loans over Elon's uh, any day of the week. <laughs> yes, sir. 
Well, folks, um, we'll be covering this, obviously. Good news on the education front, bad news on the free speech front. Um, no big surprise there. Uh, we're going to jump over to our conversation with Nick Terse, who is a journalist in many places, but uh, most uh, recently um, in, in The Intercept. This is a really great piece. It's in the show notes. Y'all should definitely read it. Um, it's an important one. Uh, so we'll be back in just a couple minutes after that to talk about Argentina. Welcome back to Love Reckoners. David here, joined by my good friend, Matt Leck. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing well, David. Good to be with you. Yes, certainly, friend. And uh, we are very happy to be joined again by return guest uh, to Left Reckoning, Nick Terse. Um, Nick Terse is a, uh, is a journalist with The Intercept, among other places, um, who is joining us to talk about this uh, really important uh, piece in The Intercept, called Civilian Harm, Secret Pentagon Investigation Found No One at Fault and Drone Strike That Killed Woman and Four-Year-Old. Um, Nick, again, thank you so much uh, for taking some time to, to join us. And, and maybe um, before we talk about this specific strike itself, um, could you just help some of the audience understand what it is that the United States is doing in Somalia in the first place? Because I feel like that is one of those conflict areas, I think a lot of people sort of have missed the American involvement in that part of the world. Sure. Well, thanks very much for having me on. Uh, yeah, the United States has been involved in Somalia since uh, since just after 9-11. At this point, uh, with the end of the uh, the Afghan war, it's really the most forever of the forever wars. Uh, it's uh, America dispatched commandos there in early 2002. And uh, by and large, the U.S. has had a presence there ever since. Uh, conducting counterterrorism operations uh, on the ground uh, with uh, alongside Somali forces, some of which the United States has actually built over the years. Uh, two special operations forces in particular, uh, one, the Puntland Security Force, was built by the CIA, uh, another called Danab or the Lightning Brigade that was built by uh, special operations forces. Uh, so the United States has actually constructed Somali units and has uh, fought and uh, even died alongside them. Uh, in 2017, a Navy SEAL named Kyle Milliken was, was actually killed in Somalia. Uh, the United States said that he was on an advise and assist mission, but um, you know this is a fiction that they use. Uh, these advise and assist missions are really uh, combat under another name. Uh, so the United States has had a ground presence like that. And then the analog to it is... Uh, is the uh, drone operations that the United States conducts. And those have been going on since 2007. Uh, they peaked during the, uh, the Trump years, but uh, they've been carried out by uh, you know, every president uh, since the drone war started. So Bush, Obama, Trump, and now Biden. Yeah, and I mean, um, yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry I, can, could you, uh, you know, um, give sketch those periods out and the different sort of administrations and how they uh, either ramped up or decelerated the drone war? Sure. Uh, I mean the the drone war uh, began, you know, really in in earnest uh, under Obama, but. Um, you know, it, it came to full fruition uh, during the Trump administration. Uh, the U.S. conducted uh, 208 uh, declared attacks in Somalia during Trump's single term in the White House. It was an almost 500% uh, increase over the eight years of the Obama presidency. And uh, under the Biden administration, uh, there have been uh, a little over 30 uh, drone strikes, including uh, 13 uh, so far this year. So 
uh, it was a massive spike uh, during the Trump administration because, uh, and we can certainly go into this, the, the Trump administration uh, loosened the rules of engagement uh, from the Obama years. Uh, there were certainly civilians killed uh, during o Obama's term, and uh, it looks like there have been, uh, it's, it's possible civilians have been killed uh, during the Biden presidency, but uh, both of them have uh, somewhat stricter rules uh, for how drone strikes are carried out. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I want to talk certainly about, you know, the context and, and the reasons that this happened, but, you know, just to sort of catch some of the listeners um, up, I mean, could you talk a little bit about the, the circumstances and the consequences of this drone strike in, in, in Somalia that you're covering in your intercept piece that killed um, a woman and her four-year-old child? Sure. Um, yeah, this this piece of the intercept is, is the first ever uh, uh, publication of a uh, Pentagon investigation of a U.S. drone strike in Africa. It's uh, an inquiry into a April 1st, uh, 2018 attack in Somalia that, as you said, killed a, a young mother and her four-year-old daughter. And it's the first case in which uh, U.S. Africa commander, AFRICOM, uh, ever acknowledged uh, civilian deaths in Somalia. So <laughs> this came after uh, hundreds of, of attacks. Um, the investigation file that I received was heavily redacted, but it still offered uh, really unprecedented uh, insights to how uh, the drone war in Somalia was was conducted and how and why uh, these two civilians and possibly as many as three more uh, were killed in this U.S. attack. Uh, in addition to these uh, formerly secret documents that I was able to obtain, I spoke with uh, seven members of the family of the woman and child who were killed. Uh, I spoke with uh, Somali government officials and U.S. personnel who were uh, involved in the drone war in Somalia and um, who had special knowledge of, of this attack, uh, which was by a secret uh, special operations task force. And, you know, I believe that, uh, that this is to, to this point, you know, the most complete investigation and the most thorough accounting uh, that we have of uh, what a drone strike in Somalia looks like. And, um, and how the U.S. Uh, you know targets and, and kills people, uh, civilians, in this air war. Yeah, I mean, um, if you know, we could talk a little bit about the process here because one thing that's you know very striking um, in, in in your reporting and in the investigation that the U.S. put out um, was that you know they initially bombed this this truck um which was about correct me if, if i'm getting any of these facts wrong by the way it was about seven people um in, in inside of this vehicle and then um somebody gets out of the vehicle after it's it's bombed and is running away and then the united states sends a second drone strike uh, to strike this person and this person very likely being um this young woman and her child correct um, yeah that's you know yeah, could you sure. talk a little bit no, I was just, uh, could you talk a little bit about the rules of, of engagement um, here? Because, um, uh, you know, paraphrasing it, um, but, you know, one of the people that you interviewed in, in the piece is, is it's just sort of like, I don't know, you know, what kind of rules of, like, if, if they're saying that the United States did nothing wrong, then there must be a fundamental problem with the rules that the United States is utilizing when it comes to drone strikes and small. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh with the investigation that was conducted, um, 
in the end, they admitted that uh, this woman and the, the child were killed, but they also said that the rules of engagement were followed and that all the standard operating procedures of all drone strikes in Somalia uh, are run exactly like this. So it, it points to a, a fundamental problem uh, with, with the U.S. air war. Uh, this strike cell uh, was watching this truck that you talked about that loaded up with, uh, with seven people, uh, including the woman and child. They were uh, really, they're just innocent bystanders in this. Uh, there isn't a lot of public transportation in Somalia. Uh, this woman was going to meet her brother uh, in a rural area of Somalia. Uh, no public transport there. Uh, the terrorist group Al-Shabaab, who the United States is targeting, uh, has, uh, you know, they, they put pressure on the telecom company in the area, the, the telephone company that runs cellular service there. They tell this uh, telecom when to turn off service, when to turn it on. Uh, they're trying to, to thwart informants, government surveillance. Uh, because of this, uh, the woman involved, Lil Dahir Muhammad, uh, was not able to contact her, her brother, Qasim, by phone. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's customary in Somalia. If you see a, a woman and child who are walking at the side of the road to pull over, offer them a ride, it's common courtesy. Uh, this is what happened. She didn't know who these people were. She didn't live in the area. Uh, they were very low level Al-Shabaab people who were in this vehicle, or at least um, two men, two of the men in there were actual members of Al-Shabaab. This is what Somali officials told me. Uh, the others, there was a, an elder and, you know, uh, and also a, a poet. Uh, this is a, an actual profession in Somalia, a paying one. Um, but they lived in the area under Al-Shabaab control and government officials uh, from the Somali government said to me that, uh, you know, people who live in the area, that's a de facto government, Al-Shabaab, they have to deal with them. So mm -hmm. uh, they weren't sure how close they were with the group. Uh, but the woman and child, they were definitely civilians. There was another young man in the truck. He was just a student returning home from Mogadishu. Same thing. He was offered a ride and took it. And uh, the U.S. watched all these people load in. Uh, they, uh, the Americans never even knew how many people were in the vehicle. They had an argument about it before the strike. Uh, they never really came to a consensus, but uh, someone's opinion won out. Uh, but they never got the count right. They figured it was five or six people. It was actually seven. Uh, they didn't believe that there are any women on board. There was one. They didn't believe there are any children on board. There was one. And uh, under the rules of engagement, uh, men who associate with uh, a member of Al-Shabaab in Al-Shabaab territory, this is what I was told by uh, uh, Brigadier General Don Bolduc, who headed Special Operations Command at the time, he said that uh, under the rules, uh, military-age males in the Al-Shabaab area hanging out with members of Al-Shabaab uh, would be targeted and counted as Shabaab members, whether they were or they weren't. And this is how this uh, this strike was carried out. So, yeah, they were believed that they were in the clear because they thought it was they were just men in there. But uh, you know, even watching uh, video of this the entire time, uh, you know, they got it wrong. And they had a second chance because, as you said, uh, they hit this truck with uh, with a missile, and somehow, uh, at least Lil and quite possibly her daughter survived it. And they uh, leapt out, and they ran down the road, and then they were hit by uh, you know what they call a double tap strike. Uh, they made an instantaneous decision. Um, 
you know, drone operators generally call these squirters. This is the uh, terminology that they use. Uh, they saw them headed down the road and they fired another missile. And that was the one that killed them. I mean, um, you know, and the way that the United States or, you know, frankly, a lot of other powers designate who is and who is not a combatant, obviously, is tremendously important, as people know from what we've been witnessing um, in Gaza. But in the aftermath here, I mean, could you talk a little bit about the American government's response uh, to this woman's family um, or lack of response, frankly, um, in, in the way that we were sort of handling this? Yeah, I, in the immediate wake of the strike, uh, when it first happened, or or maybe I slightly thereafter, I actually contacted Africom about this, and they told me uh, once they had admitted that they they kill civilians, that they were interfacing with uh, with the embassy and were going to try and uh, work something out because I asked if they were going to provide compensation. Uh, the reality of the situation is that uh, the United States has never uh, made contact with the family. Uh, much less uh, provided an apology or any kind of compensation, even though they admitted that they killed a woman and child. Now, there is an English-speaking member of the family, uh, one of Lil's brothers, Abu Bakr. Uh, he also lives part-time in, in Mogadishu, so he was able to uh, get in touch with the Somali government and ask them to intervene. Uh, they did not. He went to the U.S. Embassy and uh, gave them a letter asking for uh, uh, apology, uh, uh, ways towards compensation. Uh, he got no response from them. Uh, at one time, Africa Command, the only way that you could contact them was through an email address. Uh, so he wrote uh, a letter to them and sent it to their email address. He showed me a copy of the letter. He showed me a copy of the uh, return receipt on the email. Uh, then they put in a civilian casualty portal, uh, which for most people around the world, it uh, doesn't work. They don't have the internet access. They don't have the, uh, the, the, the page is just written in English, so they don't have the language skills. They've made it about as tough as possible, but he's able to navigate this, sent it. He also showed me, um, it says uh, success submitted, a screenshot of that from when he, he put that in. He showed me the letter. Uh, and again, AFRICOM has, uh, has never made contact with the family. And, you know, when, when I went and I spoke with them, uh, they, they just couldn't wrap their head around it. They couldn't understand how the United States could make this admission and then years later uh, never even acknowledge the, the family's contact, never uh, reach out in, in any way to, uh, to offer an apology, condolences, anything. And you know, when I showed them the, uh, the investigation file, uh, you know, I think they became even more incensed by it because uh, you know, the, the file says that, uh, you know, a lot of the, the members of the team were inexperienced. And this is what, uh, members of the strike cell told the investigator, uh, that they didn't have a lot of experience that experienced personnel who were, uh, uh private contractors who work with them, uh, had sort of rotated out. Um, you know, they, they made a lot of this and the family, you know, just couldn't understand it. They said, how can that be an excuse? If you hire inexperienced people, if that's who you have conducting these strikes, uh, how is that an excuse? You're responsible for it. The same thing when I told them and, and showed them in the, the document where it says that the rules of engagement were filed. Uh, the, uh, the, the widower, um, uh, uh, Shiloh, um, 
Sheila Moves uh, Muhammad, uh, he and, and the, the father of the deceased little girl, you know, he, uh, he just, he couldn't wrap his head around it. You know, he, he kept asking me, how can uh, they claim that the rules of engagement were filed, followed when uh, they also uh, killed my wife and my child? Uh, you know, and I, I didn't have a satisfactory answer for him, but uh, this is, this is what it says in the investigation. And, you know, the, the family came out, I think, uh, even more incensed, uh, even more uh, shocked by by what this investigation file says. Yeah, what does it signify that we're willing to go this far? And also, how meaningful, does this mean we're gonna be transparent about these sort of events in the future? Or is it just kind of like, this is our one-off to prove that we can be transparent and you know our intentions are good here? Yeah, I mean, um... Yeah, the, the United States now, since uh, since 2019, I believe they've admitted uh, five uh, civilian deaths in Afghanistan, including uh, the, the two that they admitted here. Uh, uh, here, Mohammed and, uh, and Miriam Shiloh Muse. So this is uh, hundreds of, of strikes, hundreds of drone strikes, and just five killed. Uh, Air Wars, the uh, the UK uh, airstrike monitoring group that. Uh, you know, monitors uh, the U.S. drone war in Afghanistan uh, very intensely. Uh, their number is, uh, you know, up to three thousand percent higher as far as what they think the the actual number of civilian casualties are. So, you know, the the United States. I mean, they they definitely lowball these figures. Um, you know, they're they're very uh, unlikely to um, you know to admit a civilian death, but. Um, I mean, it's it's a slight improvement over you know the the first mm. uh, nearly two decades of of the U.S. war in Somalia, but uh, but it's it's certainly not indicative of what the you know the, the real cost has been to civilians. Right. So, in, in the last couple of minutes, I was, I was wondering if you could um, sort of help people understand um, some of the the shifts that happened under Trump with the with the drone war, particularly in Somalia, um, to sort of allow for certain kinds of strikes that might have not been typically um, allowed before, and also if you have any sense um, or insight as to whether or not um, the, the situation has changed very much under a Joe Biden presidency uh, when it comes to activities in Somalia, or even just more broadly. Yeah, I mean, um, as soon as Trump was elected. Uh, it looks like U.S. Africa Command decided that, uh, that they were going to ask for loosened rules of engagement. And within uh, really just a few days of, of Trump taking office, uh, the, the Pentagon sent the Secretary of Defense at the time, Jim Mattis, uh, to present uh, plans to loosen the rules of engagement, which, uh, which Trump did uh, within a, a few short weeks of, of taking office. And... Uh, you know, basically, uh, what what they had asked for was that uh, that there no longer be uh, high level or, or White House uh, approval necessary of drone strikes. That it would go down to a ground level commander, someone uh, in Somalia. So, uh, be a, a colonel or, or one star general, uh, fairly low down. And this uh, this meant that that strikes would be carried out a lot quicker. Uh, you know, with a lot uh, fewer. Uh, checks and balances, safeguards in place, and uh, you know when when I spoke uh, with 
a, a drone pilot and also a strike cell analyst who worked in Somalia at the, uh, at the same time uh, that the strike took place. You know, he told me, that, um, you know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but it was, uh, you know, he said something like, when I went to Africa, you know, it seemed like no one was paying attention. And uh, he said, it, it was like, we can do whatever we want. And he said it was a very different mindset from the special operations forces that he worked with in Afghanistan. He said there was almost uh, no quality control on the vetting of strikes and that uh, a lot of the safeguards that had been previously in place had been left out. Uh, I heard from another uh, U.S. official, an intelligence official, who said that, uh, that members of uh, these uh, special operations task forces that worked uh, drone strikes in Somalia, Yemen, and Libya uh, also began uh, competing at that time uh, for the highest body count. And, um, you know, it, it's shades of what went on in, in Vietnam. Um, you know, this, this type of uh, behavior was supposed to be rooted out, but, uh, but he told me that this was going on. So there was uh, an incentivization for uh, strikes to be carried out. Um, and then, uh, the, again, the drone pilot and strike cell analyst I talked to told me there was also another factor sort of at the, at the low end that they had just introduced uh, new, what they call devices. It's like a, a little award um, that goes on a, a medal or a ribbon. Uh, these previously were always given out for, uh, you know, what, what historically we've known as combat. Uh, you're on the ground, you're in a firefight, that type of thing. But, uh, but they introduced these new devices uh, for uh, drone pilots, sensor operators, uh, members of a strike cell, so people who conduct remote warfare. And he said that, uh, that at, the, at the lowest level there, again, uh, people wanted to brag about being in combat. They wanted to show that they had uh, they'd been uh, out there, even if they were you know, in, a, in a, uh, a command post somewhere. At carrying out these strikes, and that uh, that also incentivized uh, the, the conduct of of strikes, and made it a lot uh, more likely that strikes would get carried out, and that bad strikes would get carried out. Yeah. Jesus, the psychopath. Well, <laughs> no, this is—I mean—it's incredibly depressing to think about the loss of life. Um, yeah, you know, it's attachment to some people's vanity. I don't know. Yeah. Nick, I, uh, we really appreciate you taking some time to join us today on Left Reckoning. Um, we'll link again to the piece for people to read it and always appreciate uh, reading your work in The Intercept and other places, friend. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, great to have uh, Nick on again. Truly. Uh, actual actual journalist. Uh yeah, what were you going to say? No, no, I mean, I mean, even on that, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't mean this like against Nick at all, but like truly amazing that like, you know, Nick can go and figure out what's going on, but the U.S. government sort of like, oh, well, you know, it's sort of impossible to know. It's impossible for us to know who we've affected or who we might have killed. Here, it's a, look, we got, we, we drop a lot of bombs. Okay. If you dropped as many bombs as we did, you might not know who they all killed either, okay? It's easy to say when you aren't dropping a lot of bombs in all sorts of different places in the world uh, and letting contractors do it as they're amped up on Mountain Dew uh, in a command center somewhere, uh, like playing a slightly better graphics version of Call of Duty. 
they can't know that 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 your little few pixels on the screen there they can't know and you couldn't either if that is a woman or a child it's really sick and it's not a, like this is why we need to like like what israel's doing not only couldn't it be done with our material support but also our pioneering in support of like not like we talked we covered with the hospital bombing in afghanistan um and medicine sans frontier saying actually we can't allow them to investigate themselves on this please can we do an investigate independent investigation nah nah here's uh here's a few thousand here's a few hundred dollars or a few couple thousand dollars if you lost somebody uh you know yankee doodle blood money yeah truly disgusting stuff and yeah um you know for all the anti-imperialists out there who are supporting a one favorite child um She's been spending a lot of time in Africa, actually, helping out a lot of South Africans. Oh, Tulsi? Yes, sir. <laughs> right, yeah. She's on maneuvers, um, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, please please read uh, Nick's piece and, and keep up with his work in general. And his, his books really are excellent, so they're, they're worth picking up um, and, and reading through. We're really happy to have him on the program. Folks, in just a minute, we're going to go over the post game patreon.com slash left reckoning to get access to that. And we got some fun stuff, some good clips, and we'll be taking some questions, probably not as many as normal because I have a really early flight. So it's going to be a shorter post game, just let people know. Um, But we'll try to get to a couple for sure. But Matt, before we get there, should we uh, check out our uh, new kind of story of the, of, of the month here in Argentina? Um, in in Argentina, a, a pretty seismic um, uh, election result uh, with uh, Javier Millet uh, defeating Sergio Massa from 56 to 44 percent. And I'm sure people have seen some stuff of his. We have a couple of clips here we're going to play for you all. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe just to give people a taste. Um, this is who is now going to be the next uh, president of Argentina. Al zurdo de mierda no le podés dar ni un pero, milímetro. Pero ¿Me puede definir zurdo de mierda? Que no Todos lo los que, digamos, los colectivistas, <risa> los que ponen, digamos, o sea, esa idea. A ver, ¿Por es... qué le pones de mierda, digamos? Porque son una mierda. O sea, vos me si... clas... no, pero, pero es que si pensás descalifica... distinto no, pero te van a aniquilar. Ese es el punto. Es decir, vos al zurdo no le podés dar un milímetro. Porque le das un milímetro y lo toma para destrozarte. Es decir, usa, digo, o sea, vos no podés negociar con el zurdo. No se negocia. No se negocia con esa mierda, no se negocia porque te van a llevar puesto. Si tienen un golpeador que caga trompadas a la mujer, digamos, si es de ellos, ¿entendés? Se pone el, el pañuelito verde y grita todo el tiempo contra el neoliberalismo, lo ocultan. ¿Me entendés? O sea, si de repente hay alguien que acosó a otra, a una, un periodista que acosó a otra periodista, lo ocultan. Es decir, a todos los de ellos. Lo ocultan, todas esas aberraciones la ocultan. Ahora, si vos estás del otro lado, a vos te van a estropear, te van a matar, te van a dar con lo que sea. No les importa arruinarte la vida. ¿Por qué? Porque no pensás como ellos. Y ¿sabes qué es lo bueno de todo esto? So, we could keep playing that. Um, as, as you can see there, an extremely disturbed individual. And I'll just say two things up top. One, anytime anyone says things like online, <laughs> is it real? I mean, here we are seeing truly like a Reddit thread <laughs> coming to life. Yeah. Uh, frankly, um, another kind of classic example of of of, of the right wing um, 
grievance politics, which, you know, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I think is, is, you know, if there's anything to sort of take from that bizarre um, break meltdown there is that there is a kind of mirror image of some of the overperformative online left wing behavior and some of the overperformative online right wing behavior, right? A constant appeal to grievance, um, uh, you know, the, the deck stacked against me, the other team's not playing fair, hysterical, all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, we got we have some more some more clips and things to get into, um, but maybe let's just introduce him. And I should have pulled this, Matt. I, if if you can, no worries. If not. If you could get an image of him in his superhero costume, that might be helpful. Um, okay, yeah. You know, but just like, you know, just introducing this fellow to folks. I'm sure most people know him. I've seen some things about him. He's a strange guy. Um, as we know, as, as people have probably seen, he has a bizarre relationship with his dogs, which he's had cloned. Um, he says that that is his informal cabinet, um, that he still gets messages from his dead dog, um, who all of his dogs are clones of. Uh, he campaigned with a chainsaw. Uh, saying that that's what he's going to do to the government, basically cut it up. He's run on a, a kind of promise to destroy the government. There are viral clips of him um, walking down a, a list of all of the different departments of government in Argentina and ripping them, saying, we're getting rid of it, we're getting rid of it, we're getting rid of it. Um, bizarre, bizarre comments um, on, on other political figures. Yes, there he is. That's <laughs> um, a, a really, really... Uh, cheap version of a, I guess, Marvel DC. I don't know the difference. I have to admit. Um, and cap man. He's an cap, which as people probably, if they don't know it, um, that's an anarcho capitalist, um, you know, just a strange, strange, um, individual. There was the video of him after the first round of, 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 of elections of, of him sort of having what I would have to say is a mental breakdown. Um, we're sort of complaining about voices in the room that were getting too loud. Um, people had sort of thought, oh, maybe that might be the end of him. Obviously not. This is somebody who has said in the past that, you know, he believes that there should be his, his anarcho capitalist beliefs are so extreme and staunch and true that he believes that, yeah, there should be a market in human organs. Um, something that he has walked back, but yeah. still, this is the kind of character that uh, the 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 anarcho capitalist sort of posture always like bro, you would be comfortable talking to any of those Chicago school vampires that yes, turned yeah. your country into a killing field. Um, like you, there, there's anarchists, sure. You are a neoliberal with yes. a funny haircut. Like that's what's going on here, and probably some personality disorders, if not like more severe pathologies. Going well, on. I'm sorry, anyone anyone who truly like identifies themselves as an anarcho uh, capitalist or whatnot, like does have a personality personality disorder, uh, notably because you know they are effectively just a, a conservative, somebody who believes in free markets, the thing that is in power all across the globe, right? Somebody who believes in power in the things that are in power globally. Um, but for whatever reason, you can't be honest with yourself. So you need to lie to the globe and start talking about anarchism or, or some other bullshit. No, right. yeah, as you were saying, Matt, I totally agree. Somebody who'd be very happy having a conversation with, and look, and he names all of his dogs after the famous right. economists of, 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 of neoliberals. Austrians, right? the, yeah. The, 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 ra the radicalism there is, is, again, it's just like a personal branding exercise for somebody who, for whatever reason, wants to defend power, wants to defend the status quo, but needs to, for whatever reason, uh, present themselves as some kind of radical alternative. Um, he's also noted that, <laughs> to many people's consternation, 
that he won't work with, quote, communist China, uh, which is an economic disaster uh, for, for a country like Argentina um, or communist Brazil, uh, for that matter, obviously talking about Lula da Silva. Um, Lula and G get his ass. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> like bring him to heel. I want to see him grovel uh, to maintain trade relations. Like that's the thing is like this. He he's he's president now because of economic conditions, because the Peronist uh, sort of regime has just completely expanded itself. Uh, mm-hmm. and been unable to deal with, you know, things that a lot, I'm, I'm curious actually how much this is to do with, you know, obviously the post COVID inflation stuff, but also our, uh, interest rate, our interest rate hikes. I wonder what that oh, impact please, has. Here. Yeah. Um, I know we have another clip, so you just tell me when you want to slot this in, but I, look, I'm sorry to be boring y'all, um, because, and I'm probably not doing a, a good job because this guy is such a character. You could do an entire show just looking at, oh, you know, how cartoonish and insane this guy is. Um, and there, there are people who are, are funnier than I am who are probably going to spend a lot of time doing that. I think this shit is, I mean, it's it's horrifying what this means for Argentine people. Um, well, this guy is is a cartoon character brought to life. It's, it's, it's incredible. Um, but this is something that at, at a certain point, um, no offense to them, um, but the kind of... Uh, um, Daily Show, John Oliver style. Wow, look how insane the right wing is. It starts to ring a little hollow because we've had Trump. We've had Bolsonaro. Um, we're having Millet. Time and time again, like this is a character that we're going to be dealing with. And I think, um, you know, nothing wrong with laughing at them or, or fucking around you know, taking the piss. But um, at a certain point, we have to start talking about the reasons that this kind of thing is happening. Because, you know, Argentina, like many, many other countries, is dealing with the consequences of of a, of a kind of global regime, of a global model that is in permanent crisis. Argentina, like many countries, is struggling with recession, a poverty rate that's around 40%, hyperinflation, uh, which is certainly no small part of, of the reason that he was elected, um, tremendously high debt, which has been a, uh, a constant theme of Argentine politics for a while, um, along with rising crime. And yes, you know, the Peronist coalition, um, you know, tried to do another move to maintain legitimacy, failed here. Uh, Massa tried to distance himself um, from maybe the more left wing or center left parts of the Peronist uh, coalition. But as we said, lost uh, 56 to 44 uh, percent here. And as you were just saying, Matt, um, no doubt about it, um, if, if people have been watching my coverage or this program, um, particularly TMBS in early left reckoning days, we were talking a lot about what, what I was calling the vulture capitalist class. And Argentina is a country that is highly indebted. Uh, you have very powerful institutions that are trying to prey on that debt. Um, and as people might remember, McCree, um, the president before Fernandez, um, basically sold the country out to dry, took, taking on uh, ridiculous amounts of debt uh, for the country, which the country was forced to sort of service during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And you saw the Fernandez government, which fell into trap after trap, failure after failure. This is no defense of, of them, um, you know, but basically being constrained by a bunch of wealthy financiers in, in the United States and abroad saying, hey, we want our money. I don't give a shit if that means that people are going to go without food. Um, but that is the the noose that is brought by the global financial system, which plays a massive role in countries all across uh, South America, but particularly in Argentina. Um and, you know, one of the big things that, uh, that, that Millet has sort of promised to do um, is to replace the peso with the United States dollar. 
not just peg the peso to the U.S. dollar, but to use the U.S. dollar as the currency of Argentina. Um, the problem with this is that the Argentine Central Bank does not have enough dollars to be able to do that, right? Not to get too in the weeds about these kind of things, but if you want to replace currency, you have to have a currency reserve. They don't have a currency reserve to be able to do that because most of the U.S. dollars that they have are used to pay off debts that are denoted, that, that are denoted in the U.S. dollar. Right. So the, the promise and we'll get into maybe some of the, the issues there in, in a moment. Um, but like they don't even have the fiscal capacity to be able to do that because they can't print U.S. dollars. Um, and he also does not have a majority in Congress. So this is somebody who's going to come and, 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 and be loud, um, who was sort of uh, brought into victory because of the inflation crisis, because of the economic mismanagement of the country, and because a lot of the kind of center-right parties basically lined up behind him at the end of the day. Um, we have this this clip here, Matt, if maybe we can play this first, and then I have I have some more things to sort of say about the economic situation. But like, I, I think that there's, there's just two things to really note if you're trying to take a top line from this is that this guy is going to deliver even more dark days to Argentina. Um, so nothing that we're saying right here is not is, is to try to dissuade somebody who's feeling distraught or depressed or upset about what's going on. Um, but but uh, the, the hope that I'm trying to sort of lay out for people is to orient your frustration at the right forces. Um, because, you know, these guys, like it's just like in the United States, like Trump, devastating devastating figure did tremendous damage to people all across this country and all across the globe a bad figure somebody who did tremendous amounts of damage but something happens when these people become avatars of dysfunction and in, in particularly in liberal sets um, where instead of sort of looking at the structural issues that are causing decline that are causing devastation that are causing pain uh, for people well said oh if only the crazy guy wasn't in charge um then things would be better no the crazy guy is in charge because of the failures of the establishment but anyways, let's 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 establish a little bit more of this guy. We have we have this clip here um, to sort of talk about the the kind of bizarre, contradictory nature of the figure like that. So yeah, you're talking about this Tucker Carlson clip. Yes. So yeah, um, just to get a sense of like, oh, let's learn about this libertarian. Is he going to have any interesting uh, sort of orthodox opinions about stuff? Well, here he is on abortion. Talk with Tucker. You oppose abortion? Why? Bueno, porque como liberal. O sea, liberal libertario, claro, porque en inglés. Eh... I'll just say uh, he's saying because of someone who believes in libertarian liberalism, and then he talks about it, like I'm a libertarian, and liberalism is a different thing. You know that that's what he's going on. Liberal, eh, eh, así que lo voy a decir como libertario. So let me say he's a libertarian. Nosotros creemos que. Unrestricted respect for the lives of others. Non-aggression principle. Fundamental right to defend life. I'm in favor of the right to life. Después hay una justificación desde el plano de vista de la ciencia, scientific justification, digamos, que es el hecho de que la vida comienza en el momento de la fecundación y en ese mismo momento se genera un nuevo ser en evolución, sí, con un ADN distinto. Es decir, es cierto que la mujer tiene derechos sobre su cuerpo, 
pero ese niño dentro de su cuerpo. Es decir, el niño no es su cuerpo. Por lo tanto, el aborto es un asesinato agravado por el vínculo. And so an abortion is an assassinato. Uh, the Argentinian far right leader says uses the word assassination. Again, 30,000 people, I think is a conservative estimate for the amount of people that were killed by the uh, military in the dirty war. Uh, and those were supposedly like communist infiltrators. And uh, no, there's a lot were just teachers and uh, union leaders and stuff like that. So um, to say that women uh, uh, having abortions are assassinating their kids, I think is that's uh, libertarians, right? Like this, it's funny how, like, what kind of liberty are we talking mm -hmm. about? Is it Oh, actually, the state does have an interest in policing your reproductive decisions, including maybe treating it like a murder, maybe maybe getting the state involved for like a murder prosecution because you didn't want to carry that pregnancy to term. That is this type of libertarianism. Just another brief one. Um Just to point this up, uh, you know, maybe he'll have we're seeing a lot. We've been talking about this with Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro, a lot in the right wing of uh, and, and who knows how toxic it's going to get on the uh, on the anti-Israel side. But, you know, maybe we shouldn't maybe we should be isolationist with regards to Israel, Palestine. Well, of course, uh, Malay here uh, waving a giant <laughs> uh, Israel flag. Uh, he will not be. <laughs> uh, that is not his position. Uh, nor is it, uh, I believe he is pro uh, standing with Ukraine as well. Uh, so really like a libertarian, but kind of like behind the times and not made for this new era of more maybe online orthodoxy to, to go back to what he said. Um, but yeah, I mean, liber like libertarian, but also pro-Israel is such a fucking ridiculous position to have. Uh, you are in support of the UN, uh, uh, um, like creating a set a partitioning uh, a place uh, for a settler colonial project enforced by billion, hundreds of billions of dollars of taxpayer money just to name the US. Yeah, libertarian my ass. It's nice not a serious it's not a serious philosophy, right? Uh, you know, the the right to life except for millions of Palestinians. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's 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 it it falls apart uh, quickly, you know, libertarians um I think in in general probably is one of the least serious ideologies out there. It's a nitpicky ideology because functionally um what it represents, what it has always sort of represented is an un um is a uh, is is a defensive is it's just a very clear full-throated defense of power. Um, and he thinks that the powerful um, should rule and that the rest of the people should just sort of get in line. Um, and again, you know, I think Gene Bajalon said it best when, you know, the trick of the right these days is to try to make the powerful seem oppressed. Um, and that's exactly what this, 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 this guy is all about. Um, shouldn't be unsurprising to anybody that this guy's a big crypto booster <laughs> as well. Um, that, that's the thing I've been wondering since I heard he, he wants to you know go onto the U.S. dollar. Like, is he is this just because crypto is making money? Tanking? You know, look, crypto. Yeah. I mean, this may be a topic for a different day. It definitely is, but um, not looking good for crypto in this moment because I just saw a news report that said Hamas and ISIS and uh, uh, several other Islamic uh, groups have been using it. And the thing is, is I don't think we're going to see a lot of the Bitcoin guys. 
tout that as a use because <laughs> anecdotally i've seen a lot of them come into my replies saying i'm anti-semitic for supporting palestine mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a weird little thing and it's also gonna a good test case of like if hamas is for instance uh using that significantly they're going to kill it <laughs> like the, they um so you know in you know i i it is one thing because the WikiLeaks was the other example prior to that, where a a, a, uh, a use for that technology uh, was actually, I think, counter the world powers. And I think, on balance, it doesn't do that. So I think that's why it's tolerated. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but I also think like all that shit's really down, and I haven't seen much coming back. And and not to ramble too much, but AI is also struggling. So mm. uh, yeah. But, you know, in closing, we'll just say this. What is there to rage against? What is there to rage mm. against if you are somebody who believes in in, in free markets and privatization? Uh, the Alex, Malvinas uh, Islands. <laughs> yes, <Auckland>. sir. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have seen some funny things about, uh, you know. I mean, this is, again, this is somebody who uh, praises Margaret Thatcher, which people did think was also going to get him in trouble, obviously, uh, for anyone who remembers the Falkland Wars. Um, but, you know, the, the, the situation is, is bad enough in Argentina. He was able to get away with that. Um, but Alex uh, Hochuli, who's a former guest of this program, a uh, great writer, hosted the Bunga cast, uh, which I listen to regularly, I wrote a really great piece in the Unheard, in Unheard on his election, uh, saying, quote, if neighboring Brazil's experience with Jair Bolsonaro is anything to go by, the administration will be more conven- more conventionally neoliberal in economic matters, while radicalism will be expressed in the cultural field, calling the, the Pope, quote, a lefty son of a bitch and antagonizing the country's second largest trading partner, China, by saying he won't work with communists may, foreshow- may foreshadow some of his antics in government. And I think that's a very astute point, because here's the thing with Malay. What is there for him to rage against? While he likes to sit around and talk about collectivists in the far left and the damage that they have done, Argentina is a test case in neoliberal economics. Um, More than anything that we're seeing right now, uh, Argentina is an example of the failed neoliberal uh, project. From the debt vultures that we were talking about a little while ago that have been strangling the country, preventing it from being able to embark on any kind of serious industrialization um, or social programs to the failure of, of the political center and the center left of the Peronists. Um, Argentina um, matches much of the world's uh, history when it comes to development, with the 90s being a period of mass disinvestment from public industry and of mass privatization of state-owned industries, which led to, surprise, surprise, economic devastation uh, for the nation and reliance on huh, finance capital. For somebody who believes in in, 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 in in the free market, Argentina is a great example of what happens when you are over-reliant on finance capital, when you are over-reliant on neoliberalization, when you are over-reliant on the market to solve all social ills in a society. And let's just say he gets his way for a second, right? That there's mass disinvestment in the public economy, what is left, um, or just government um, in general. Um, and he's successful in creating an over-reliance on, on U.S. dollars, right? If he's able somehow um, to not just peg the peso to the U.S. dollar, um, but actually to use the United States dollar as the currency of the country of Argentina, what will we see, Matt? Well, it will be something that mirrors exactly what Argentina's economic development over the past uh, three decades have been. Dependence on export, 
limiting industrialization of the country and and the reliance on resource um, extraction and agricultural exports. Right, so a lack of industrialization in, in the in the economy, a reliance on resource extraction and on selling cheap beef, wine, and soybeans uh, to the United States and to other countries. Right, not really a model for economic success for everyday people. But again, this is not what Malay is running on or anything like yeah. that. Uh, in 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 all seriousness, um, you know the promise break with these collectivists and all this kind of and this break with the the old model is nowhere to be found in in this platform instead what we will see from him is a deepening of the neoliberal project just like we got under bolsonaro just like we got under trump just like we saw in italy just like we're seeing in all of these kind of quote far-right populist states um and some money for the connected rich and I mean, if there's anything you, else you want to say on Argentina in particular, you know, go ahead. But I will just say as, as a final note on this, the real thing that we should be noting is that with all these crises in Argentina, in Brazil, in the United States, all across the globe, what we are left with is an incompetent center um, and a more fervent and radical right wing. Uh, but when it comes mm-hmm. to actual solutions to global decline, there's no real answer. Because what happens is you get these kind of bombastic figures in there who do culture war, who say crazy things um, and say, hey, you know, I'm going to get rid of the bad guys in government. Um, And what ends up securing itself in those nations? A more devout version of neoliberalization, a more devout version of of privatization, which has been the model of both the right wing parties and of the center left parties in the United States, across South America, across Europe. Right. The thing that's bizarre about this kind of political moment that we're living through, Matt, is that, you know, with all of these things that sort of point to maybe an opening or a breaking point with the neoliberal consensus, the only answers that we have really seen come to power politically are just doubling down on neoliberalization. Um, And, you know, the center left plays a huge role um, in sort of maintaining the space for these far right figures. And the only real threat to them electorally so far, for the most part, has just been these far right figures. So it's maintain crisis on under the center left, expand a crisis under the far right, and it's a really, really, really nasty and never ending uh, circle that the the establishment certainly has no answers to, and a very, very weakened left uh, that has turned away from labor and has turned to culture as its primary uh, battleground means that you know what we're sort of left with is a permanent passing of the baton. Uh, between two dangerous forces of the same uh, 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 of the same ideological bent, which is more privatization, more neoliberalization, and more damage to working people. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the the example. It's just like the everyone was counting on. Oh, he, this is just he's too wacky. So mm-hmm. the same sclerotic, arthritic, Peronist, like basically center left, center to center right. Uh, administration will win. And it's like, there's only so long you can roll that dice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was funny, you know, not to bring up random small Twitter accounts, but I did say, I won't say them by name. I'm not trying to be a coward. I just don't want to send everyone to harass some small account on Twitter. But somebody responded to uh, me retweeting this, this story being a bit like, you know, Jesus Christ, this is bad. Like, well, this is exactly... Um, you know, what's coming for America if everybody doesn't sort of line up behind uh, Joe Biden again. It's like, no, this is exactly what happens when the only answer is like, oh, the far right super crazy. We just need to continue uh, destroying, uh, you know, allowing these countries to, to stagnate, stagnate and decline 
Um, this is exactly what our future is like. If, if your only answer to any crisis is what we need to do is lock arms and defend uh, the same kind of established order, uh, which has you know laid the groundwork for all these kind of permanent crises. Because the right won't even break the, I mean, the thing that's so like, like it's not even like I'm rooting for them. Don't get me wrong. It's that they are so, anyone who is on the far right is a product of, 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 of power and, and capital, right? So they can complain about the cultural mores of, of the left, right? And what they really mean by that is like the establishment, the, the, the neoliberals, et cetera. Um, but fundamentally, they want to see the same kind of inequities in society be maintained, right? The inequities of, of wealth, the inequities of, of political power for certain kinds of groups. So all that you see is these kind of really damaging, again, I'm not denying that they're damaging, extremely damaging, um, but continuation of what was already ongoing in society. Because the right has no answer to it because the right has no intention or desire to see these kind of things that are fundamentally broken in society be changed. So what we end up having is this, yeah, this bizarre game uh, where you have, again, the center left maintaining decline and, and the right accelerating it. Um, pretty, pretty nasty uh, situation. And the only answer is always is going to have to be revitalized uh, movement back to the people, which means supporting labor, supporting working class people and building up independent organizations that can challenge both the far right menace and uh, the, the, the center left pimps. Um, who maintained these these kind of damaging forces uh, with all of their glittering phrases in the same way that Malay is going to talk about collectivists, um, you know, and all these damaging folks. The, the center does the same thing when they talk about extremists or whatever, right? Same kind of politics at the end of the day, and we have to break out of it. Yeah. Well, folks, on that note, I'm sure, you know, it's probably we need to get some good folks from from Argentina on to talk a little bit more in depth about this in the near future, and I'm sure we will. Um, but we're going to jump over the post game, patreon.com slash left reckoning, get access to that. Um, we'll be taking a couple questions. It's gonna be a little bit shorter just because I have to run tonight, uh, but we have this great Candace Owens bit that we're going to dive into. Um, take some questions from y'all and see. You. Yeah. Yeah. Probably no calls tonight. So, uh, uh don't, uh, uh, waste your breath there. Um, cause yeah, but, uh, fun stuff. We're going to get into Norm Finkelstein was on Candace Owens and there's one moment that I think um, answers, well, it answers our, one of our most recent comments on a YouTube video, which is that uh, David Packman is right. Uh, 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 Gazans chose their leadership themselves. Oh, and that was a good this, one. Them, and so we're going to respond to that. Monsters. Actually, Norm Finkelstein is given the opportunity to uh, basically undo that little nugget of uh, that little talking point in support of uh, bombing hospitals. Uh, but yeah, patreon.com says left reckoning, come over. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, I'm also going to indulgently play another Avi Schlame, uh, clip just because, you know, but anyway, uh, patreon.com says left reckoning. See y'all there.